This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're coming to you pretty much straight after the defeat of Brighton at the Amex Stadium in Brighton. We're actually here in our Brighton studio. If you listen to it in the background, um, if you can't hear it amongst all the people chatting, which is uh, just thrown in there a little bit, we've got the sea in the background. We're actually uh, The studio is actually overlooking the sea here. This is not a virtual joint at all. This is a real joint. And after last night's game, to be quite honest with you, we needed a little bit of relaxation. We needed something to actually calm us down because what was going on on the pitch, and it's not the players' fault, wasn't really the one for us. I'm sitting here with Laney in our seaside studio. Lady, how are you? Well, good. What an incredible view this place is. Yeah, it's, it's stunning just sitting here looking, the, uh, looking at the, uh, the, the waves crashing. Um, yeah, it's uh, a, bit, a bit like uh, our, our season at the moment. The waves came crashing down on us last night. It was, uh, you know, with injuries and um, it's becoming a little bit, a bit, a bit of concern. Um, look, luckily, we've got a lot of points um, in the bag not a lot but I mean, we've got you know, we're, not, we're not in a relegation dogfight or anything like that but yeah it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a concern as we're facing another tricky away day at Sheffield United at the weekend but yeah um, an interesting one last night Bill very interesting like I said to you we've got uh, plenty to talk to on this podcast really difficult doing sort of uh, podcasts when they whack a game right in the middle uh, whack a day here on, on a Wednesday so we've got a game on the Wednesday and then trying to do a podcast as well if you could check out as well Pride of West London we put out a, a fairly short post-match podcast after the game and like I said to you that's out there you'll hear what some of the fans have said of that on this podcast a little bit later as well but what else we got on the show on the show today we have got what have we got we've got oh uh, yeah we've got of course we've got um, the fans after the game as well we've also got the Gowler B's breakdown giving us a statistical um, and a, a tactical lowdown on the Luton game and also also looking forward to the game at the weekend against the Blades also we've got JB with lots more facts and funk and also, just to get the Blades view, we got Ian Rands from Four Blades in a, Paw, in a Pub podcast. Okay, so Four Blades in the Pub. We don't actually quite go down to the pub. I know we know that feeling actually. <laughs> Lockdown killed that one as well. So Four Blades not in a pub podcast. We've got Ian Rands from there actually going to give us a lowdown on the Blades. But um, tell you what, the conversation in the in the pub last night actually. Um, four B's in the pub last night. 
Um, a bit of a late night as well last night, which is all good in Brighton. Like, you know, mm. saying, you know, it's, it's Tuesday night in Brighton, you could always find Wednesday. somewhere to go. Or oh, Wednesday night, that's right. It should have been a Tuesday, but they moved it to a Wednesday for Amazon. Um, yeah, always, always find somewhere to go. So we found somewhere to go. And like I said, you four bees in a in a pub, and we weren't even talking about Brentford because we were just saying, look, we've got so many players out. You know, it's just, it's just the way it goes. But we were actually talking about Nottingham Forest, uh, quite surprisingly, uh, because we were talking about Steve Cooper. Um, and uh, some of the fans are going, well, why is this a Brentford podcast? Why are they talking about Cooper? It's just, again, it's a point of football discussion. You know, Steve Cooper was at Swansea when we had the little beef with them over the two playoff games that we had with them. We ended up winning in the end, of course, because we actually got to the Premier League and they didn't. Steve Cooper then ended up going to Nottingham Forest. Um, some people will say a bit of a basket case of a club because they had so many managers that they sacked and bringing in so many players in. Um, again, that's a point of opinion as to whether they are or whether or not that's the right tactic to use. But anyway, that's been called. And he went to Forest and um, by all means, he's actually kind of saved them. He was there at bottom of the championship when he took over from them. Um, had hardly any points and then he rescued them, got them up the league and then got them uh, through and, and promoted via the playoffs and the fans absolutely love him I'm, I'm not being funny I'm telling you the stage I've got loads of Forest mates and you cannot say a bad word against Cooper so when we turn around so as Brentford we hate Cooper I mean it's it's like you've insulted their, their, their mother you know or their father you know what I'm saying it is actually quite bad um, there so now we've got a scenario where Cooper's had a pretty bad run uh, he lost again I think it was last night they lost Fulham. the game they lost again to Fulham okay um, and they lost again to Fulham and uh, quite badly to Fulham as well the Forest fans are giving them a blight they're just saying this is Cooper this is the way it goes you saved us we, you know we love you we love you but apparently he came over he sort of applauded the fans he said something in the post-match podcast saying you know look, I don't know whatever the club wants to do that's up to them you know I don't control that and all the Forest fans are resigned to Cooper leaving and they're Devastated. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's always it's always good. It's always interesting, rather, to compare ourselves to um, the, the the clubs that we were competing with to get out of the championship a few years ago. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost four years ago. You think about it. You know, we, we 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 sort of become used to our surroundings now. But yeah, just just comparing Brentford, the way we do our business, the way the way we um, recruit, the, how much we spend on players, and you know what what brings success and what doesn't bring success. Um, at, at other clubs and you know as an outsider looking in at, at Forest um, you know you, 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 you can see how much money and how, how the, the churn of players and it's just it's just not working um, and you know you, you're right to point out when, when Cooper was at Swansea there was you know there was obviously some some playoff beef we beat them to, to get promoted into the into the Premier League um, and there's obviously the, the, the playoff um, matches the, the season before um, when we lost to Fulham ultimately at Wembley um, in, in lockdown, so yeah, it, it, it is it, you know, and, and the club's ownership model. You know, there's obviously talk this week as well in in some quarters about Matthew Benham being open to um, outside um, funding, some you know, selling part of the club. Um, how big a news item that is, or how seriously, or how much is is, is it be, the club's being touted or not or it's just some a question that he was asked in a recent BU interview and he's mentioned that in the past but comparing Brentford um, and our, as I said our ownership structure and then Forest and their ownership ownership structure and how they're almost like a dictatorship 
um, and uh, we seem to be much more stable. Um, you know, when there's risk or there's there's talk of um, that changing, it's obviously that's concerning as well. So, yeah, I mean, you, you have to keep an eye on what's going on at clubs our size or clubs that have been through a similar trajectory to us to kind of just just see what else is going on um it's 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 it's, it's good to have one eye elsewhere as well as kind of just you know concentrating on your own team as well yeah and and sources are saying about cooper because like i said a lot of people like a lot a lot of forest fans you know overnight you know when we came back here after staying out rather late actually we watched match of the day about two o'clock in the morning then we were sort of flipping through and seeing what people were saying online and the forest fans had basically said he's gone you know you can see that was his last farewell but the word on the street is uh, from sources up there is that um he's going to be given at least one more game to to try and save his position which means we're sort of saying that maybe he's going to be given to Christmas, maybe, or maybe just after Christmas. They've got a sort of a strong run of games, you know, between now and then. Um, not, not, not particularly the easiest run of games um, that they've got. You know, they've got Wolves away, then they've got Tottenham at home, then they've got Bournemouth away, and then they've got Newcastle at home, and they've got Man United uh, at home uh, between now and the end of the year. And then it's the FA Cup which I don't know what's happened to the FA Cup. I don't know what's happened to them there. I don't know who they're playing uh, or if they're playing anybody, to be honest with you, even though in the third round, I don't know if the team they're going to play got disqualified. I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, that's not the point. So we shall see for us. Just quickly, we're going to talk about this point as well that Laney just mentioned there. Matthew Benham, because a lot of people actually come up to us and asked us the question, you know, is Matthew Benham selling the club? We're going to say this as well that we haven't done. Uh, we, we haven't got into to asking the question as we, 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 you know, we have done back in the past, um, because it, it's one of those ones where, you know, we believe again. It's um, when somebody takes uh, an interview and then you, you not say you make more out of it than you can do, but it's one of them situations where it's an interview that that happened and you can, can you know, construe the words whichever way that you want to. I believe. What we do know is, and we've said this before, and the people that have been listening to us, for, you know, to the podcast for years, you know, um, when Brentford were in the Championship, we had a very firm plan that we wanted to get to the Premier League. Um, that plan um, was kind of, you know, one of the one of the elements of that plan at one stage that we decided to shut down our academy because our academy was taking us up a lot of money, a lot of money, and a lot of our players, like I said to you, were going elsewhere after we spent a lot of money on them, and it was felt that we needed to focus the money from the academy into the Premier League because we only had a finite amount of money you know and I think after we you know had had failed we got close but no cigar particular years um, Matthew Benham and this is for a fact he said he was open to bids and I think he's always open to bids for people to come and say actually we would like to invest in your club at that stage we felt that maybe if we were competing against these other inverted commas bigger clubs like Derby County and at the time Sheffield Wednesday who were putting truckloads of money into trying to get up um, they're cheating at the time as well but that's a separate issue uh, and we had to try and compete against that we were finding it maybe quite hard because we were trying to do it the natural way we were trying to do it our way um, so um, Matthew Ben said he, and building a stadium at the same time that, without premiership money that's, yeah. that's right so we were trying to do all these things and Matthew Benham said you know look you know, I'm open to, to bids and there was at one stage where we actually did entertain um, and again this is not sort of going a top secret story but we were entertaining a group uh, out of China um, I, I can't remember the guy's name. Was name Chen Chen Chen? Um, possibly again Ben Bland as well, who is one of our you know besotted um, crew who actually lived out in Hong Kong at the time. He actually did a little bit of work on this, and he knows very much about that whole deal. Um, he was working for the uh, Financial Times at the time, and he, and he knew quite a lot about the deal. And so he was speaking from the Chinese side of things. So we were kind of getting information from 
uh, that side of the, of the game as well, as well as kind of getting information from our side. And what happens is that Benham said, look, I'm open to the deal. They had talks and they had sort of kind of chats about what they do. And there was money that we'd said that we'd offer. We'd, we'd offer a percentage of our club, which was, I think, less than 50%. And I think the, the figure might have been around 30, 30 million or so. Okay. And the deal kind of was, you know, looking about it. And then it kind of went a bit cold. And then they went off and they ended up and went and bought Barnsley. So the same owners went and bought Barnsley and they got 100% of the club, I believe, for about 5 million. So the difference in the deal was just quite massive. So they, they, they could have bought into Brentford, possibly, if the deal was done, but they decided to buy into Barnsley. Um, but now we've got the situation where we've actually got up and now the club's thriving. It's doing really well. So obviously it's worth a lot more than the sort of 30, 30 million for the 50%, you know, that was, was offered at the time. So it's quite interesting. I mean, and the chat, I mean, in the pub last night and before the game was obviously we, we were talking about this. And we were, obviously it's two and two. Does two and two equal ten? Is David Beckham interested in investing in Brentford? That's, that's kind of where we were thinking. You know, obviously, it's, 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 there's, there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that that's a story. But, it, you know, it, um, David Beckham has been watching his son play in the Brentford B team. He's been spending a lot of time in our part of West London. He's been down at Staines numerous times um, at Wheatsheaf Lane, at Wheatsheaf Stadium, um, watching, watching his son play. Um, and you can't be around teams like Brentford, a club like Brentford, for too long without falling in love with it. And that might sound a bit overly romantic, but you romantic, lady. Yes, I am. But I, we all know there's something truly special about our club and how we how we how we've achieved success. And you know, you see, you know, Gary Neville and, and Carragher bouncing around. You know, after after those brilliant early premiership wins them commenting about the atmosphere at at the G-Tech and then people kind of sharing in the good vibe about our success I mean it's been derailed is the the wrong word but it's an injury crisis kind of at the moment so this season's going to be probably a little bit of a write-off but Overall, you know, the, the, the Brentford story is one where outsiders kind of are captivated by it. And, you know, um, that's why the Brentford Revolution book needed to be written. And people, people are, are fascinated, other clubs are fascinated about how we achieve success. Um, Beckham, I'm sure... Um, is, is, is interested because he's the kind of character he's at the stage of his life now he won't just go along and, and watch he, he wants to be part of you know he's got, he's got time, to, time to fill he's got business, business ambitions to achieve so uh, you know it, it was similar to when you know we mentioned about Christian Eriksen being available you know it started off just about it all makes sense why wouldn't they and in the end that, that happened so, you know, obviously Matthew Benham has also sold FC Mitterland, who he transformed into a tiny little Danish outfit, um, into title winners in, in Denmark, and then Champions League qualification, Europa League and Europa Conference qualification. European football has become an annual event now for FC Mitterland, and he's just sold the club to the richest man in Denmark. Now, you know, is, is there conversations happening there as well? So there's there's... Before we start worrying about being sold to Saudis and being sold to Chinese um, uh, outfits and you know our club being changed forever, perhaps hopefully if there, if there is a 
um, a, re- a new revenue stream that comes in. It's 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 some you know it's from a source similar to one of those two. Yeah, and and, and that's about. I think that's the balance up that we talked about last night. I mean, the, the, the Beckham thing was was merely like I said to you, it was just merely a chat that we had. I mean, obviously, you know, I know a lot about you know MLS and sort of been delving into the MLS over the years. But you, but you heard it here first, though. That's right. That's right. We did um, the, the MLS here, um, and uh, interestingly, because David Beckham, you know, there's a question as to whether or not you know how much money David Beckham has actually put into Miami or whether or not he's you know been the face that's fronted things up which has helped to take um, Miami and MLS to another level and he's been able to bring in investors himself as opposed to him putting in his own money so those those are all the questions I know also a lot of people that I said to you on the MLS front who um, said that David Beckham basically he, he had a period where he did just like he, he just, he just did, didn't go to any games him and Victoria and them lot they literally just weren't they weren't even around they just didn't do the Miami thing but all of a sudden when uh, um, Messi's popped up again he's, he's back in the frame and he's like going to all the Miami games again unsurprisingly so um, you know like I said to you but then after you know you can't do every single game because if you're down to Wheat Sheep Lane in, uh, in Staines half the time how are you going to be sitting in Miami Beach I mean that's a big question isn't it's it it's a good rumour though isn't it you like, you like that rumour <laughs> oh, it's a lovely lady yeah. so, so, um, so like I said to you there's, 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 there's lots of Lots of different possibilities. I think the thing that we sort of discussed, and this is what any Brentford fan would be all so fearful about, is anybody, once you get somebody else coming in, there's always that fear of change. The club changing, what the club's all about is changing. They start bringing in different people. They start bringing in different rules. They, you know, they've got different ambitions. You know, yes, you could see the fact that, you know, Brentford have been going out for, you know, sort of, you know, we were pushing the boat out this summer, going for sort of kind of 30 million, 35 million, even, even 40 million euro players, right? We didn't land them as such, but we, you know, that was a situation. And maybe we're in a scenario to say where, you know, we could do one or two things. We can actually do what we do and, and get £150 million a year whatever it is for the next four years and then we can put that money and compete because we're not going to go and blow the bucket as some teams have done and gambled like you know even like the Villas of the world and that you know they've, 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 you know, they've blown the money straight away and Villa can argue you know we've got away with it look, look at us we're doing really well they can either do that or maybe they'll take the investment now or say now in the next year or so and be able to actually kind of go up to that next level a lot quicker so those are the questions you asked me there, but like I said to you, the fear from Brentford fans is that our club is as it is. We like it as it is. It's growing slightly organically. Okay, it's quite fast because we're in the Premier League, but as soon as these kind of things happen, you know, all of a sudden, our things are going to get ugly. Is the club just not going to be like it was before? And is that going to turn off some people from our current fan base? It's, and it's, you know, it's, it's the next step. What, what is the next step? You know, what's the next step for ambitious club owners and directors of football and managers? So the next step for Brentford is clearly to qualify for Europe. And then we saw back in the summer that some of the players that we were, we were trying to buy, um, they weren't really going to come to us because the clubs they were at were already in the Champions League or already in Europa League. So there's a, there, seems to, there, there's a, there is a barrier, um, the, the, the calibre of player that we, we are now sort of shopping for will take us to that next level that Brighton level let's call it where you know they're, they're a, you know, a, a European qualified team that have come up the same route as us so we do need to then start spending 40 million euro pounds on those kind of players I mean it's still it's still their numbers are, I think are slightly I, I, I balk at them still because I know I know our history I know where we've come from and you know bucket rattling and stuff like that it just seems odd that we're we're still talking about that kind of money and those kind of players and the word Brentford in the same sentence but that's that's where we are and if, if we if we want to 
be sustainable here um, and we want to be successful and you know we have to match the ambitions of the people that have made that success possible then that's where they want to be shopping next and you know we probably do have to qualify for Europe it's not going to happen this year I I can't say unless it's some sort of miracle because we just haven't got the depth of squad and the the injuries that keep mounting as as we've already mentioned so um, it's, it's very much about next year and you know if Although we're getting 150 million a year in from from the you know the TV and the and the and the, and the Sky and the, the world rights packages, that's that's only three players and uh, maybe that's maybe that's not enough and maybe we've been so good with our FFP um, the last few years maybe we're we're able to you know go out on a bit of a spending spree within 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 our rules so um, I I I I'm I'm nervous because as you rightly say change. Change is sometimes inevitable, but change is also worrying. I'm, I'm obviously concerned that our, our, our club could, could change, but it, it has already. Um, we, just have to, we just have to make sure and trust in the people that have done, um, done what they've done and, and taken us to this level, continue to do it in, in, in a similar style, um, in, a, in, a, in an intelligent, and a, it's, a sty- it's a stylish way. It's a, you know, the, way we, the way we treat people, the way, you know, the way we... Do our business seems to seems to be very different to a lot of clubs, and long may that continue. Yeah, and just the last point I want to say on this as well, and the irony about this is when you know when we're talking about where we're buying players from, and you know competing against you know on the European front, say for example, a lot of the teams that we're actually either trying to buy players from or competing against, uh, and I'm not sort of saying this in a biggish way, it's. Uh, we, we, as, as a team, the way that we play football, we're actually you know better than a lot of them. And again, I'm, I'm doing this on the you know because it's virtual on the on the, on the Bellum World League table that he did, where you were matching teams against each other on you know in Europe and even in the US and everything like that. When you start matching them and you start they start using the stats to see it, you could see kind of where we stand. And this is basically a testament to actually how strong a league we're in. You know, what I'm saying you get down to eighth, ninth, and tenth place. You know, teams that finish in tenth place in the UK are you know a lot stronger than some you know teams that finish in third place say for example in, in the Dutch league you know and, 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 and all these other places who still get into Europe because and, and, and you know FC Michelin say for example yeah they're doing very very well but how do we match up against them as a team we're actually probably stronger than them as a team but they'll get European football because they're play- that's the league they play in you can only you know you qualify in the league that you play for you know what I'm saying so that's the scenario so they have the chance to get players maybe that we might not be able to get to because they're playing in Europe because they're playing Champions League um, and, and it makes it harder for us because we're actually playing in a really tough league so listen we're not moaning about it we're just kind of saying this, these are kind of the struggles that we have so is Matthew Bellum going to sell up Brentford we've got no idea but I'd like to think that because he is a Brentford uh, fan uh, he talked about his son also taking over and being chairman at some stage as well you'd like to think that if there was any money injection going into the club he'd do it in a, uh, a systematic way he'd do it in a way which actually worked for the best interest for everybody including himself including the club including the fans and everyone like that so uh, yeah let's just watch this space as we can because we've done no delving around but maybe we might have to start sniffing around a little bit to see kind of what the, what the score is Beckham watch yeah let's go let's little trip to Miami I mean like the last yes. one we did Dundalk a few few years ago you know what I'm saying but we have to go up a level let's run up Miami yeah. see, you there, see you there next, next week mate. yeah that's right okay we'll just go there just after Christmas we'll be doing the Bride of West London from, uh, from Ocean Drive like I said but anyway listen forget about Ocean Drive 
we're looking at the ocean here at the moment now. Um, and Lainey's going to be going off and driving a little bit later. You like that, actually, Lainey? You like those yeah, little things? Yeah, very slick. Thank you very, thank you very much, actually. You know, I prepared that one earlier. Uh, not at all. But anyway, we're going to go back. We're going to talk about the games at the weekend, the Luton game. We're going to talk about the Brighton game after this break. So, it was almost like, again, we talk about this joy and pain sunshine and rain there's no sun there's lovely sunshine yesterday right we'll talk about that a little bit later but the joy and the pain saturday was joy we played luton town and we got a right good result against luton town um bit of a banana skin or potential banana skin as well because luton town are one of those teams who are, have come here to disrupt in the premier league everyone expects them to get points off them they when they play them like ah oh, we're playing luton's so a definite three points but we know when you play teams like luton they're actually kind of causes problems. And Luton came first half of the game, and uh, the first half of the game was pretty stink. It's something that, to be quite honest, you are not going to really talk about too much because there's not much going on. Luton came with a game plan. They didn't really kind of venture too much into uh, anywhere near our goal because they wanted to come to stifle. And the thing that's probably slightly concerning, you realise how our injuries affected us we didn't really have anybody who can unlock that Luton defence unlock that team do something which was kind of different to unlock them uh, and so we kind of just came up against a brick wall but second half Malpay got a goal early on in the game and that just opened everything up and it that was just the floodgates it was proper floodgate action after that and uh, you know we got a 3-1 win but you know it was good and I know Laney again he's probably a story Laney wasn't quite there for the game but he was loyalty bonus points was he was there because he managed to get there because you, you, were, you were on the way back from Iceland yeah I was flying back from Iceland I went, went off a quick trip and uh, the delays the fog and the uh, all the all the all the flight chaos uh, meant that I landed late and blah blah I won't go into the dullness of you know the, the logistics of getting out there, but there was there was time to to just make the last ten minutes, and uh, I, I did that. Got the tubes and morphers, and got people waiting for me, and they dropped me off near one of the stadiums. So that was all good. So yeah, technically I, I I didn't miss the game, but I kind of missed all the action. I watched all the highlights back, the extended highlights. It, it, it looked scrappy, you know. We we, j- we edged it. Um, they came to defend in the first half. And um, you know, it, it, it was it was we needed to score the first goal. We did that. We were strong enough to beat teams like Luton, and you hope that we're strong enough to beat Sheffield United on Saturday. But where we're going to come up short with, with, with you know the injuries is when you play better teams. And you know what the the, the, the good thing is that we competed with one of the better teams last night. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was all about the result, not necessarily performance. When, when you're playing Luton, um, but we saw what Luton are capable of because they they pushed again one of the better teams all the way. They almost got a point against Arsenal. David Raya helped them out big time midweek, uh, and Luton should, should and Liverpool have, as well should have held out for you know they, um, the, the result against Liverpool as well. So yeah. Um, they're, they're capable um, and they're a very tricky opponent and I think they stand a very good chance of surviving and it's going to be tight but you know so as I said it's about it was all about the result not necessarily the performance what we do know is that we are now scraping the barrel to the world as well we are we are reaching for free, more than fringe players we're now dipping into the B team now to, to get players um, 
fit players to, to, to fill a, 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 you know, a competitive starting eleven. Um, fortunately, they, they look up to the job. You know, it, they, they stick to the same system. They have not let us down. Um, they don't look like rabbits in the headlights. They, you know, people like Miles Pert Harris came on and got minutes last night. Now, you know, is he is he is he a starter? Is he, is he really first team ready? Well, I think we'll, we'll have to find out up at Sheffield. So, you know, Yarmouk got more minutes last night and against Luton. So there there is there is a silver lining because these fringe players are getting Premier League minutes, and we, we find out whether they can come in, um, whether they come in and you know keep us as competitive as we are with our better players and if they're not that's when the decisions are made in the summer and in the, trans- in the January transfer window whether we have to go into the, the transfer market now I with my eyes I'm suggesting we do need to do that um, and I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure the powers that be are, are thinking that as well so you know it, it, it although it's not ideal to be down to the bare bones that at least it's an experiment to see how strong and how deep the squad is yeah and so i mean just just going back to that luton goes just quickly you know the strengths brentford strengths they created a high number of chances relative to our possession we also effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from the flanks and also goal scoring opportunities from set pieces and we were strong at finishing we actually didn't have any significant weaknesses a good game for the bees actually uh a large quantity possession in our in, in the luton half we tapped through the middle and we dominated possession as for luton they were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities through individual skill and also through long shot situations as well, but they lost the ball often. They favoured long shots. They attacked down our left, the left, their left hand side. They favoured crossing the ball and they favoured long balls. Again, if you look at the ratings and who scored.com, Neil Malpay, who scored his goal as well, he's very happy that he scored his goal. 8.4. So, like top rated Neil Malpay as well. Then Ben Mee was 7.9. Shandon Baptiste was 7.4. There, Jacob Brown, who came in, uh, I think as a sub for Luton as well, he came in 7.4. And Christian Norbard was 7.2. Um, again, annoyingly, he got the yellow card, which put him out. It's a Brighton game, which we'll talk about in a little bit, which I think affected things quite massively as well. All the shots, you know, Keen Lewis Potter, to be fair, five shots he had on goal as well. Mbumo, four shots. And Malpay, four shots. Ben Meath, Medbury, central defender as well, three shots. And Wiesa had three shots as well. And Norgard, again, shows how much we miss him. You know, the, the most tackles with four tackles in that game as well. Uh, Frank the Tank with three. Yarmulik with three as well. So, you know, it just kind of shows you where that game is going. We kind of were doing the right things in all the right areas. Tell you what we're going to do as well. Um, we're going to go over to the fans, listen to what they had to say for this Luton game. But also, we're going to go to the Brighton game that we went to down at the Amex to hear what the fans had to say about those two matches. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good result. Deserved result. Uh, Kept the ball better than them. Every time they got the ball, they gave it straight back to us. Bit of a hard watch at times. 
Uh, first half, we dominated. I think they scored with probably their only shot on goal up to that point. But as in a typical Brentford style, we did seem to make it a bit harder work than um, than we needed to. Yeah, they, they really came with a game plan and it was to put uh, 10 people back and stop us uh, trying to get through. Uh, but I thought we kind of backfired a bit because once we got the goal, uh, they they had to come out, they had to change their game plan completely. And they actually looked quite dangerous. You know, they got a goal, they got they almost got a second and uh, they looked dangerous. So I don't know if they changed their game plan and actually came at us a bit more, they might have done a bit better. But uh, yeah, we, we played well. Uh, yeah, I think we needed that little bit of creativity that Jensen gives us, which we were lacking, but uh, we, we, we kept at it, kept at it. And uh, we, we just, once we got through them, we were fine. You know, uh, three goals uh, against a it's a you know, very defensive team. It's pretty good stuff. You know, I don't want to be a teams like, teams like Luton, but actually, Luton are a team that Brentford should be beating at our stage that we are in the where we are in the Premier League, and you know we we got a bit nervy at three one set sat back, but yeah, we'll we'll do all right. They'll Luton. I'll be interested to see how they get on for the rest of the season. I thought we did all right overall. It's one of those games where you could easily not not have got three points, and we we're fairly comfortable other than the five minutes after the goal. Flecken didn't make a save, <laughs> including the one he maybe should have made. Um, but overall, I thought, again, don't forget, same injuries we got today as we had last week. It's still second string. Yeah, I think this is one of those games where you appreciate uh, Frank, right? Not only for the, the way Thomas plans the game, but, but clearly there were some words politely shared or not in the dressing room at halftime. And they came out playing much differently, much more aggressively. They looked a lot more cohesive, even body language-wise. Neil was on the ball rather than flapping his arms at other players. Um, so I think they, they looked totally different. They turned it quite around. Uh, they were on the front foot and making passes, which uh, were missing in the first half for sure. I thought, Matt, for me, man of the match, probably Ethan Pinnock. But I thought there was a great performance by uh, Godos, uh, stepping in at the last minute by Ayer. I thought he played really, really well. Uh, good to see him get a good run out and Shandon coming on, having a good run out. KLP was fantastic when he came on running at them creating the last goal and I think I know you can always want something different but if we have had uh, players like Rico running at their back four I think we would have absolutely annihilated them but it is what it is and it's uh, three points that's all you want the goals today good second half performance great first half you know wasn't so great uh, it was a bit it's like an old throwback to the old league one in, in some in some respects but uh, at the end of the day, we've got the three points and that's all that really matters. We've just been riddled by injuries. Brian going off uh, removed our main attacking threat. And uh, we, we did OK, but uh, Brian, we're always going to win that, I'm afraid. It's disappointing. But, I mean, the team we ended up with there, it, lo it, looked, like, it looked like a pre-season friendly in the 90th minute after we'd made about 18 substitutions. Uh, it was... Uh, what can you do? Eh? What can you do? Time we did all right considering the players we had out there. You know, um, they didn't let us down. We've lost by one goal again. Um, you know, I just I I don't really know what more that team could to, could do. You know, it, it's hard. You know, I, it, I think that the team put a lot of effort in, and there's no doubt that they're trying their absolute best at the moment. But we've got so many injuries; it's really, really tough. The kind of 
good things to take away from that game where I thought when Damstad came on he looked like a much kind of different player than what we've seen before maybe the player we want him to be it's good experience for Yarmouk it's good for Baptiste to get minutes it's good for Onyeka to get minutes but um yeah it, it was it was a tough game I think we accept Brian are a good side I know they've got injuries as well but uh, it's a tough place to come they're in you know not the amazing form so it feels like a little bit of a uh, missed opportunity but you know I think that to have 19 points and be 11th with the injuries that we've had this season is a remarkable effort um, obviously we know the bottom three and the bottom four with Everton's points deduction means there's quite a bit of a cushion so we don't really have too much to worry about I think it's a shame because of the uh, injuries mean we could have made a real push for Europe this season but the injuries combined with Tony suspension just means it was never going to happen so I still think, you know, 11th, where we are at the moment, is, um, it's been a really good effort. So I don't think we can be too disappointed. Hopefully, turn up Sheffield United on Saturday. We get a couple of early goals. I think, uh, you know, we should win that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think you can be too disappointed. I, I didn't expect anything more today. I thought we might probably lose. But what a great performance. There's still that bond in the team. There's still, like, togetherness. So, Saturday, go forward. Come on, the bees. We're going to beat Sheffield, yeah? There you go, the fans from the Luton game. And then looking at the Brighton game, which was, uh, like I said to you, that's the pain. <laughs> Joy and pain. The pain of that Brighton game. And the reason why there's pain is, to tell you something, it started off really lovely day, like I said to you. You know, sea, you know, sitting here looking at the sea for half the day, then taking a walk down the beach, meeting Beast characters on the seafront. It was a beautiful sunny day. The sun was out, it was warm. It was almost T-shirt weather. It was, and then, you know, and then having the few beers, meeting up with the bees before the game, then having the nightmare to try to get to the station, which was bad, but not that bad. We had to get the buses because obviously there's a train strike. And like I said to you, you know, myself, I'm not going to go into the politics, you know, train strikers, they do have, they have to do so. It puts you out for, you know, a day or two days or three days. It was a pain, but we just had to deal with it and we dealt with it. We got up to the stadium. Um, um, uh, uh, let's just put it this way if that stadium was in the centre of town it would have been less of a pain I think the pain is more the fact that that stadium is out of town so it's caused all sorts of problems for all sorts of people people who are in town people who are driving in from out of town it's just caused problems anyway so that's there's, there's talks about the Brighton Stadium and a lot of people are talking about how they, they hate it how they don't like it and, and you can see why that you know why that why that is yeah, I mean everyone well, most people should know the history of Brighton so for them to have a stadium in Brighton or close to Brighton is, you know, is, is, is all important so I mean not everybody knows the history well, just quickly you know, so Brighton got into financial shenanigans and difficulties in the late 80s and early 90s which made them have to close and shut the Goldstone Ground, which was their traditional home um, in Hove. Um, just around the corner from here. Just in, yeah, around the corner from here. So um, then they they were nomadic for a little bit. They had to go and play at Gillingham. Which is miles away. Which is, yeah, which is literally 75, 80 miles away, probably. That's, um, like, that's like Brentford playing in... It's like Milton Keynes. It's, 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 like, it's, it's, a, it's a long way. Yeah. It's, you know, it was just awful for them. Their fans, you know, they were getting like thousand fifteen hundred and then they came back um, and played in an athletic stadium with uh, the, with, the with Dean just um, just up for Preston Park yeah, which is terrible just, just as as you as you drive into the city from from the, um, the motorway the motorway it's, it's, it's tucked away in a residential area on the right hand side so yeah it was it was grim and we were talking last night actually but I don't know, Brighton's not a great place to come and watch football Brighton's a great place to come I, I love the city it's a great city 
but um, you know the 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 the, tr the out of the out of town um, sh uh, stadium around getting the train to Falmer and then waiting and queuing up for you know buses and trains back in to then get all the way out again. It's it's a ball ache. It, it really is. And it's interesting because we're talking MLS, um, but it's actually very American. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, I've, I've been to multiple stadiums in America watching baseball um, and watching you know uh, American football as you call it you know and watching soccer as well and their experience is very much an out of town experience you know you go to the, the, the old Rojo Robbie Stadium as it used to be called in Miami it's called uh, I think the Hard Rock Stadium now or something like that as well you know it used to be the Orange Bowl which was in the centre of town then they moved to out of town you know all the way really far I think 100th Street or something like that you know five miles away and you go out there and then so Americans are used to driving putting their car down putting the boot up and doing all this kind of stuff whereas that's not really our culture you know um, Charlotte is one of the few stadiums actually which is bang in the middle of town in, in, in America but it's quite a, it's quite a rarity so it's kind of that sort of culture um, breeds a different type of football experience and I think maybe that's the reason why a lot of Americans when they come over they actually like the, the British football experience because you go to Chelsea which is bang right up next to a tube station right in the middle of London and Brentford is still right in the middle of Brentford which is you know accessible and it gives it more of a community vibe rather than a kind of let's just shove them out somewhere and let, let, let them do them stuff out there just makes you very grateful for the way the way things have worked out for us you know there was talk about us going to Western International Market which would Hayes that's in Hayes which would have been, you know Brentford would have had that out of out of town kind of vibe luckily you know we're you know less than a couple of miles away and we said and we also said no to Woking didn't we we did say no to Woking <laughs> no yeah, and Felton was another one that was, you know, mentioned when under the Ron era. So yeah, it makes you grateful that we've got a you know great stadium that's still still in the heart of the town that you know, our, our club's named after. So, uh, but yeah, I, I I couldn't do that every match. I don't think to get to, to go through that, and it made it even worse. You know, as soon as it was a train strike. I, I think that game should have not been played, but there you go. That's, that's but, but Amazon had paid the money, Amazon so paid so. the money. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, without injury crisis, it was suited up not to have played that game as well. But uh, that's a different matter. We had to play the game, and we we did all right first off. We 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 started off um, soaking it up, and there was a couple of um, uh, dangerous breaks. And we got a penalty from, from the first one. It, was, it happened at the far end of the, the pitch, so it makes it difficult to, to kind of see what happened. It looked like Yanel burst through, got taken out just inside the area. Um, there was a big, long VAR pause. Uh, we, obviously, inside the stadium, you've got no idea what's going on. Uh, I didn't even see a VAR check come up on the, on the, on the, on the scoreboards. Um, and I, I thought the referee was a, was about to award a free kick outside the area because you just you can't see and you're not you're not the only the best best view to see a Premier League game is on TV unfortunately so you, uh, the ones that didn't go to the game they probably they, you probably knew exactly what was going on but Brian Bumo he dispatched that beautifully it looked like a little toe poke um, into the bottom left hand corner um, and he put us one up the lead didn't last very long um, and then that. Gross um, scored the equaliser, very, very well taken goal, and he, and he gave it the biggest to the away. That was really weird, was wasn't really it? Really odd. That was really you know, weird. It was, a, it was a kind of a fat atmosphere all the way around the ground. Really, you know, it was difficult to get songs going because you know it's just it just it's just a wide open away end where you're not all gathered together. But to, for him to kind of come over and be giving it the, the shush 
and uh, kind of uh, you know a bit like Morpe what, what he does when he plays Leeds it was it was just a bit what? Unnecessary. Why is he? What's that about? Yeah. You know, so, and, um, and talking about the atmosphere as well, just to butt in there as well, lady, because as you say, the atmosphere was flat. I mean, from Brighton, it was very flat. I mean, there, there was no, no singing going on there whatsoever. The Beast fans were trying to sing. Um, I noticed that little bit of beef opened up between the Brighton fans and the, and the Beast fans, as it does, because uh, I think the Beast fans criticised Brighton for basically having a nice stadium with a terrible atmosphere. Football in the library. Uh, football in the library, which is one of the songs that we were singing as well. And uh, you will sing on our own as well and then the Brighton fans gave it back by saying well you weren't much better you know you know your support was terrible you know you didn't even sell out your allocation which wasn't necessarily true I mean I can't answer that yes or no but we had a lot of people that didn't make it into the ground until the second half because the traffic was so bad because they had to make it also down to their ground which is in the middle of nowhere which causes all sorts of problems but that's a different story altogether but yes there's that beef but then officers I noticed that it opened up because we opened the, the podcast talking about Nottingham Forest there was previous beef between um, Brighton and Bottom Forest a couple of weeks ago where apparently the Brighton fans are saying so Brentford fans are telling us that we don't sing enough but apparently when they went to Forest and they celebrated um, because they beat them 3-2 at Forest and the team came over like the Brentford team and started singing and chanting and all jumping up and down and they were celebrating like they won the FA Cup like, you know in a Steve Slade style um, and uh, apparently the, the Forest fans told them they can't celebrate so uh, apparently the Brighton fans are really confused because they're not sure whether or not they, they, they should celebrate too much or whether or not they shouldn't celebrate you know listen to the Brentford fans or listen to the Forest fans they, I think they want a sort of a bit of a they, they want a little bit of a adjudicator to come in to, to, to tell them exactly what to do yeah. uh, so that's a little bit of piss taking going on there by the Brighton fans but yeah the but the, the atmosphere was was a bit flat, and it kind of led to um, a whole kind of flatness just over the evening, didn't it? Yeah, I think it, it just felt like it was an, an inevitability about we were going to probably lose um, once Brian and Boomer had, had hobbled off, and you know, I, I really hope it's not as serious as as, as it as it looks. Um, he, he walked off very gingerly, you know, with, with a physio on either side of him just to give him some support. So if he's rolled his ankle, just hopefully it's 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 just not ligament damage and it's and it's some something that they can you know, let him rest a week or two weeks maybe and will be fit for um, for him. I imagine he wants to go to the African Cup of Nations. For us, you know, missing him for for a chunk of January as well is going to be really difficult for us to cope with. But obviously, um, you know, you've got you've got our hope for the player. Um, reaches his, his ambitions in the game. But getting back to 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 the match, you know, I mean, although we'd lost two one, you know, I'm looking at the league table and the teams above us, with, with the, you know, leaves us in eleventh. But you know, look from the top downwards, Arsenal they beat us, but we only only by a single goal. Liverpool they beat us by more than a single goal, but it was a, it was a, it wasn't a three 0 game. We, we pushed them all the way. Um, not played Villa, not played Man City, taking a point against Spurs, should have taken a point or one against Man United, they only beat us by a goal, Newcastle only beat us by one goal, Brighton only beat us by one goal, and then West Ham we beat, Chelsea we beat, and then it's us, so we're, we're even with the, the, the patchwork, the patchwork, yeah, we're still competing really strongly against the best teams in this division, and that's, we ought to take a lot of, um, a lot of a lot of gratitude from that and a lot of credit for that and um, it, 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 but it does bode well yes it does just quickly just coming back to this game uh, Brighton's their strengths they were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from set pieces uh, their weaknesses they gave away a lot of free kicks around the box and also 
committed a large number of individual errors. Uh, they had a large quantity of possession in our half and attacked down the left-hand side for Brentford. We stole the ball from them quite a lot and they said that actually we didn't have any significant weaknesses, they said, in that game. Uh, we favoured long balls as well. Um, the top performers of that game, in, in, in a sort of comparison to the Luton game, this one, they're all... Brighton, you know, Jack Hinshelwood, who annoyingly scored their goal, uh, their first goal, and also cleared the ball off the line as well. Their second eight, uh, second, sorry, second there, sorry, the second goal, the winning goal as well. Um, yeah, the goal of the line. So he got 8.3 as well. He's actually, I think he's the son, I think he's the son of the, of the Worthing manager. And uh, again, we've got sort of Worthing Bees, we were out with them yesterday as well, from a part of the South Coast Bees posse as well. So I've been down to Worthing down with them, and I've seen Worthing play football. They play some very very good football down at Worthing as well um, you know and I've been down there like I said quite a few times I saw them when they were in the Isthmian League and when they were in there and I said to them this team they're going to go out and they smashed that league that season and they went up to the to the, the, the Conference South the following season and they got to the playoffs as well they're playing some great football down there and their manager plays some great football and obviously he's produced a son who obviously plays some good football <laughs> as well his mum might have had something to do with this, <laughs> yes yeah. yeah so he does and there's a Matoma Grove Adinga and Julio, all the top players as well. Um, as opposed to the to the Luton game, where we're like we had 27 shots and Luton had seven. Here in this game, Brighton had 18 shots, we had eight shots as well. We're going to go to the uh, Beast breakdown in a minute, and he's going to give you more of a tactical and statistical lowdown. But that game, in effect, it's kind of we did what we had to do, but we pretty much ran out of steam. Quick one. I'm, this isn't a dig at, at Flecken, but. It doesn't. It, it doesn't give me the impression that it's going to take something truly special to beat him. Like uh, he, he does seem flat-footed a lot, and he. I don't. I don't know. He's, he, he doesn't impose. He, he made a couple of really good saves, and you know, credit where credit's due. His, his distribution was decent at times last night, but as I said, it. it, it some, some goalies I look at and you think it, it, it's going to take something truly special to beat them and I, I, I'm not sure his position and, uh, and the way he, 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 he sets off um, and, he, and, he, and he dives at, at times he just seems to be static and if you place the ball either side of him more than a pace away it seems to find the bottom corner of the net I, I'm, I'm not sure how springy he is but you know, again I, he didn't do anything wrong I can't really point the finger at him for for any of the goals uh, you know, last night or, or the goal we conceded against Luton or necessarily the ones that we conceded against uh, against Liverpool but it's uh, yeah he it doesn't look unbeatable at all. No and, and, and talk about stats stats wise as well because there's always been a lot of you know listen we're not digging him out but listen you've got to discuss these things and you know the question marks were there as to somebody saying will, will he keep a clean sheet I mean he's kept a few clean sheets Will he make a save? I think it's the cert- there's certain saves which you expect to keep to make to save, and they don't because at the end of the day, yes, he, he made some also some great saves, but that, that's his job, you know. He has to make saves. Now, when it comes to stats, listen again at, at Besotted, we do the stats thing. Okay, we have got like I said, your bees breakdown coming in the chat in, in a little bit about the stats and, and facts, but we also look at stats of the players, right, and what they're doing as well. So the stats on Flecken. Basically, as the goalkeeper, he is, uh, I think, the second or the the, 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 the lowest ranking keeper in the Premiership, uh, Premier League when it comes to um, um, shot stopping, goalkeeping. So he is let in on an expected goal sort of ratio, sort of three more goals than he's expected to. 
okay, and he's at the bottom of the league, okay, him and also it's uh, um, the Brighton keeper, Steele, as well, so they're both at the bottom, with about, roughly about three goals more than they should have done. The top of the league, ironically, is actually the Luton keeper, who has actually sort of saved six more goals than he's expected to, as well, so he's kind of keeping them in the game, but we're at the opposite end of that, so we can't let him for him goals, so like I said to you, I think there's question marks around there, and a lot of people are saying, you know, it's fair play, the club are backing him, and they're playing him the whole time, and maybe it's because at the moment now, you know, we are kind of a mid-table club, and, you know, those three goals that goes throughout the whole season, you know, they don't feel it's going to affect our league position as such, so you don't throw a person on the bus, but you just give them as much experience as possible, but it is a little bit worrying. Um, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, we, we have to raise those concerns and what, what we see with our own eyes, you know, it's, um, it's important, you know, I, I'm he will be given time. Um, he, he he's just in his you know first season. Um, he's he's come over from a different league. It's a different way of playing. I'm, I'm sure he'll come good. But you know this is is something that we um, on a regular podcast should be talking about. And just one final thing, we just going to talk about that. Obviously, we had injuries. But when Brian and Boomer came off, we literally it was like, oh god, here we go. Here's another one. There's actually a team being published as a team of basically Brentford injured players, injured and suspended players as well, okay, from that Brighton game. So we've got Ellery Balkham, okay, okay. Uh, on the right wing, we've got, on the right back, we've got Aaron Hickey. On the left back, we've got Rico Henry. Centre backs, we've got uh, Collins and we've got Ayer as well. Um, at CDM, we've got Norgard, then we've got De Silva and Jensen doing the little pivot in there as well. And then we've got Brian Bruma on the right, Shardon on the left, and Ivan Tony in the middle. So basically, these are the players that are out. They've obviously formed their own team, which is actually a pretty bloody good team, that as well, isn't it? Yeah, they're surviving the Premier League as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the rest, like, you know, so that's the players that are out. So that's kind of what we're up against. But anyway, listen, we're going to go over to the Gale, like the Bees Breakdown Posse. Okay, um, and we're going to talk to the Bees Breakdown Posse, is going to give us the lowdown on the Luton game at the weekend and then look forward to the Sheffield United game. Hey, this is Jacob Galler with Bees Breakdown. So for that Luton review, Brentford had a dominating performance and they ended with their second highest XG on the season at 3.5 while also holding the most possession at 67%. The Bees also allowed the lowest expected goals against at 0.2, so Luton really didn't create that much going forward. They only recorded their first shot in the 62nd minute and for much of the match they were just dropping into that low block. Uh, They ended with 30 passes per defensive action, or PPDA, which just shows that Luton rarely applied pressure. And Brentford, on the other hand, they recorded their lowest PPDA of the season at 4.86, which just shows that Brentford's counterpressure was very effective. All right, so now for that Sheffield preview. They're currently last in the Premier League, and the underlying numbers suggest it's a fair placement. They've only created 10.8 XG, which is the lowest for any Premier League team, while allowing 30.8 expected goals against, and they're even massively underperforming that by actually conceding 39 goals. Uh, Similar to Luton, they're allowing high percentage chances and they have one of the worst save percentages in the Premier League which just leads to them not recording a clean sheet so far this season. Uh, they also, they're also they a very direct team and they've struggled to create chances going forward. They have the fewest goals, shots, shots on target, and they have the longest average shot distance. So expect some similar tactics to the Luton match. Uh, where Thomas Frank's just going to try to stretch their width by attacking the wings and holding much more possession. Uh, Brentford will want to score earlier than they did against Luton uh, just to open the match up a bit and, and create more chances. 
There you go to Gail giving us the lowdown. Tell you what though, just to bring things up a little bit, we're going to go to JB to give us some facts and some funk. So we've got some stats and statistics and then facts and funk all thrown in at one time. Here you go, JB. Virtual back again. Brighton away remains one of those Premier League fixtures we've yet to get maximum points from, with just one out of a possible nine. They've never been fruitful visits, as in total we've made 34 league trips to Brighton, losing over 60% of them. Against Luton, we scored three goals in the second half, having scored none in the first. That's the first time in a league game that that's happened with fans at the GTEC. Although we went from 0-0 at half-time to beating Huddersfield 3-0 in September 2020, it was behind closed doors. The last home game with fans was the memorable 3-2 against Millwall in October 2019 at Griffin Park. The Luton game was Brentford's 300th in the top tier, 210 under Harry Curtis with 90 under Thomas Frank. Our trip to Sheffield will show us Thomas's 250th game in charge, only our third manager to reach that milestone. Whereas the first 250 for Harry Curtis and Malcolm McDonald were all in the third and fourth tiers, Thomas's have all been in the top two tiers. But it's injuries that were again the main topic of conversation this week. Every game this season needs 20 players, 11 starters and 9 subs. So in this era we need to have the largest squad of players we've ever had. It's therefore tricky to compare numbers of injuries in seasons when squads were very much smaller as there were fewer or even no subs. The care of players' injuries for the long term was also overlooked in the past in favour of the quick fix, with the magic sponge being the extent of on-field treatment. However, this season we're missing an average of just over seven players per game, plus of course an average of over one for suspensions. So statistically, so far this season, the seven are more than double the average number of players missing per game from over the last 40 years. And therefore, this season is the worst for injuries in our entire history. So there you go, Sheffield United, we're going up to the Blades, I like going to Blades, it's one of them original old school games, good stadium, good fans, good atmosphere, good place to go out, um, looking forward to it actually, uh, I'm going to steer this as well, you know, we're going to, um, just looking forward to going to it because it's a game where the Blades are, you know, they're down and out, they've got a new manager, so it could be quite an interesting an interesting day out, isn't it, Laney? You know what's going to happen, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. They, they got they hemorrhaged um, five 0 to Burnley at, at, at the weekend. Um, so Higginbottom got got the the old heave ho, and Chris Wilder, their 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 sort of manager that's is, is, who's had a successful time at, at Bramall Lane before. Uh, he's back. He took his took his first first game back last night and they, they apparently were a lot tighter they ultimately lost to Liverpool 2-0 uh, but you know they again they were playing one of the strongest teams so there was obviously an uptick in, in performance yesterday it, it when you combine them getting a little bit better and us being literally unable to piece together a, a, a recognisable strong Brentford team you kind of fear the worst a little bit. Now, I, I, I take the point right now, I think, but there's a lot of Brentford fans rightly as well 
um, expecting to go there and win. I, I, I think we're capable of doing that, and we're capable of losing as well. You know, it, it's 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 literally how our piece together team um, approach the game and whether they they, they take the chances. So uh, you know, I'm, it, anything can happen up in, in South Yorkshireville, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to the trip, but I'm a little bit I'm more wary this week than I was last week about right. going. hundred percent. So listen, let's go over to Ian. Rands from the Four Blades in a Pod or Four Blades in a Pub podcast. So basically, they're doing a podcast. They're in the pub and they're Four Blades. He's going to give us the lowdown on the Blades. Hi there. This is uh, Ian Rands from the Four Blades in a Pub podcast. Uh, Sheffield United season ticket holder for best part of thirty-five years. Um, Love to talk about the Blades and um, actually uh, had a good chat in the last uh, 12 months with uh, a player that's you know, popular with both Bees and Blades uh, the legendary Bob Booker hero of my uh, teenage years watching Sheffield United and he gave us some great stories and a, some great times he had both at, at United and uh, at, at Griffin Park as well um, so coming on to the batch between the two teams on Saturday I mean how do we feel about it you know United promotion last season was probably some may argue overdue. I guess you know the the squad we came down with from the Premier League was strong by Championship levels, but Slavisa Jokanovic really struggled to get a tune out of them for the initial part of that first season after relegation. And really, we expected to bounce back possibly, but um, when the call came to bring Paul Heckingbottom back into the club, he'd, he'd stood in as caretaker stepping up from the academy when uh, Chris Wilder left we were pretty underwhelmed to be honest I remember going on local radio at the time and both myself and Dan from the pod were just questioning is this really ambitious enough given um, given him five year contract the best part of a five year contract at the time was a, a big ask I think of him um, and really just smacked of a lack of a lack of ambition really that we weren't looking more broadly outside of the club as a whole and it felt like just to revert back to more of the same um, it proved us wrong it, it, it proved us massively wrong we had a obviously a push that just fell short in that season he took over uh, and then last season you know he, there's a lot of history being rewritten over the last few weeks around Paul Heckingbottom uh, you know how could he fail well Slavisa Jukanovic was failing with that squad we had a couple of real talents and certainly one um, lifetime talent in uh, Illiman and Jai and oh yeah they're, they're, those players they kind of covered him they, they dragged the team through he didn't really have any tactics well you don't finish 12 points clear of third in the championship if you don't have tactics and you're reliant on you know one or two star named or one in particular star player so you know I think this season's been difficult. He he was starting the season. He was given a water pistol in a gunfight, and I think they turned the water supply off. You know, we sold Illiman and Jai and uh, Sander Berger so close to the start of the season, and really we were in the transfer market for the pick of the championship players. You know, I think Gustavo Hamer was a great signing in most of our eyes and played so well for Coventry last season a key part of their uh, near success and near return to the Premier League um, and we signed Cameron Archer who'd had a great 
loan spells at Preston and most notably Middlesbrough from Aston Villa. And yeah, that was the, probably the limit of our ambitions. We, we brought some cheaper signings in from overseas, but realistically, we weren't shopping at a level that led us to go into the season to have any great expectations. I think the thing that's really disappointed us over the last few weeks, though, has been a lack of fight. I think Sheffield United fans can accept that we might not be good enough uh, in matches, that there are most likely 17, 18 teams better than us. But what we don't accept is a kind of weak-willed dangling of legs in tackles, um, just a lack of belief. And unfortunately, that's what the team had become. Um, we'd come close, we'd kept matches tight against you know, Manchester City at the start of the season, but um, conceding two late goals at Spurs when leading, the 8-0 game against Newcastle, which at the time you put down as an aberration. It was a, a, a collapse, but equally Newcastle scored with every chance they had. You'd hoped we'd bounce back a little bit. Results at, against Wolves at home, a win, Brighton, a uh, point away. Unfortunately, just masked over the fact that the team were on a downer. And however good a job Paul Heckingbottom had done, and however much I believe and others believe, some others believe that the club is got its problems right at the very top through the running of the club into the squad when things are as they are there's only one thing you can change and that's the manager and sadly he had to go um, the big question is who would replace him and I think most of us have known even from the start of the season that Chris Wilder was waiting in the wings for that opportunity um, it's a very bizarre situation to be in as, as a fan base as a club to see Wilder coming back in there's mixed opinions I think when he came out onto the pitch yes there was cheering and chanting of his name pre the game against Liverpool but really it was muted I think um, compared to what people might have expected and I think that's partly down to the low in which uh, the low the club is in and the fan base is in as he comes in but equally with how things ended last time uh, and perhaps how things were when he returned with Borough um, as a visiting manager at Bramall Lane. Um, so what going into Saturday, what, what could we look at in the Blade squad? As I mentioned, we've made those signings from the Championship and they fired intermittently in games. Um, Chris Wilder's shown uh, a willingness to change the team around midweek, bringing you know, a youngster in Andre Brooks in for his first start from the academy into a midfield role. So we might see some things different. Ollie Norwood got dropped uh, as a result of that change in formation as well. And obviously we're missing a couple of those ex-Brentford players. John Egan is out with a long-term injury. Uh, captain, uh, or was captain. Um, Jack O'Connell having sadly had to retire from football after that injury that probably prevented him getting an England call-up in that season, sort of interrupted with COVID. So... You know, we, we've, we've lost some experienced players through injury. We've lost McBurney again through a, a ridiculously stupid suspension. And we are coming to that match probably in a... Uh, I wouldn't say as decimated with injuries as Brentford are, but certainly um, certainly with a, a team that is lacking some of its better players who is finding its feet under a new manager 
but there were positive signs at least against Liverpool of some fight, some competition and with a bit of luck on some of the decisions leading up to the goals where VAR didn't intervene amazingly um, and where we had a bit of a composure, better composure in front of goal when we had chances ourselves it might have been uh, a different result so what do I think about Brentford <laughs> do you know it's it's difficult I'm, I'm delighted Mbuemo isn't available my fantasy football team isn't but I am um, and looking down the team you know it's hard I, I always see Brentford not as a team of, of star name players but a, a team that's greater than some of its parts and that's not to dismiss individual players as you know not being good players just that the the way in which Thomas Frank sets the team up uh, everyone knows their role everyone delivers and you you know you're a good solid mid-table Premier League side and all all credit to, to Brentford for that I do think however that going into Saturday we've probably got the best chance of picking up three points that we've had for a few games and that's not disrespecting Brentford, but recognising there are changes that Wilder will have had more than you know a day's training with our squad. He'll have learnt a lot from watching the game against Liverpool. Uh, I do worry how much we've left out on the pitch against Liverpool midweek. Um, but you know, this could be the start of something for us, and we've got to really get behind the team as a fan base at Bramall Lane and and, and make it intimidating and challenging for the for the team that Brentford are able to put out and look, a win one swallow doesn't make a summer a win doesn't necessarily make me think we'd do anything to stay up you know it's a tough ask even though you know we're still in touching distance of, of the rest of the teams around that bottom five it's going to take some effort from where we are as a club uh, with a feeling within the club to do that is Chris Wilder the right man time will tell it's either going to be absolutely brilliant this next period or it could be an absolute show. Um, we'll see. So could, on to Saturday, how will the game pan out and result? I'd love to think we could pick something up. I'd worry that we probably haven't got the goals in us to do that. Um, I'll go for a score prediction of a one all draw. But yeah, looking forward to, to welcoming the Bees fans up to Bramall Lane, beautiful downtown Bramall Lane on Saturday. All the best. So there you go, Ian Rands, and uh, slightly nervous there because you know they were basically down and out. Sat their manager, new manager comes in. They're looking a little bit more organised. Okay, they still lost the game, but they're looking a little bit more organised, and they're coming to play us. Who literally? I mean, I mean, we just want to pick some names out of the hat as to who's going to actually play for us because like we're we're all over the place, like you know what I'm saying. So, um, so the Blaze' strength is protecting the lead. Um, but their weaknesses, <laughs> how, much, how much time have you got? Uh, finishing scoring chances, aerial duels, defending corner attacks, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, keeping possession of the ball, defending against attacks down the wings, defending against long shots, defending against skillful players, defending set pieces are all very weak there as well. Their style of play, long balls, attacking down the right, they like to take long shots, they play with width, they're aggressive, they play in their own half and they play the offside trap. So that's kind of giving us the vibes as to kind of what we need to do against, well, to play against, against the Blades. Um, in principle, if we had our regular team, we'd be like, okay, yeah, happy yeah. days, you know what I'm saying? 100%, yeah. But But 
we're, we're putting our hands up to say actually look this this game could go either way yeah it, it can and, and if it does go the wrong way then you know obviously there's mitigating circumstances you know and I, i'm not gonna you know you never want to see your team sort of approach a game thinking you know it's damage limitation i, I don't think it's that i think you know we, we do go there and we, 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 we stand a really good chance of picking up at least one if not three points so but they will be fighting for their lives they will see this game as an opportunity in front of their own fans to, to, to get you know go ahead and and to build on that um, Wilder he's he's a good man motivator he's a, he's a nice bloke um, he knows the city he's loved at the city and um, uh, you know I, I, he stands a better chance, I think, of, 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 of getting a few points between now and Christmas. I still think they're way too weak to, to survive, um, and but they're they're going to kind of they're going to rally a little bit, and um, I, I think it's it's a, a game that they could rally and actually you know do well in on Saturday. It's, it's up to us to to shove a spanner in the works. Yeah, definitely. So I'm looking forward to go up to Blaze. Only if a lot of people that may not have been there before, it's a really good away day. Uh, good people up there, good footballing people as well. Really good places to go out and have a drink before good and after pubs. the game. Really, really good pubs on the way down there as well. I think we're going to be in the beer engine as well, which is uh, which is cool for Beast fans. It's not an official one, but we, our Blades uh, mates have actually sussed it out. They said, come down. So this is what we're going to do. It's fairly near to, to Bramall Road as well, which is all good. But there's loads of other places that you can go to in and around them. I know some people like to go to Kellam Island, but there's also loads of pubs in and around just making staking their way down there. So we're very much looking forward to seeing Scroffs and seeing Bram and seeing Reg and seeing uh, Mark and all our Blades characters who, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're not going to say this because maybe they may say themselves, but we, we would like them to be in this division for another season because it's a good away day, but we should see how that goes. But, um, ladies, just got to ask you one final thing. Uh, score prediction, please. Um, I'm going to go one all draw. Okay, I'm going to go 2-0 to the mighty, mighty bees. Yes. So it's, this is all good. So like I said to you... I prefer your score Yes, mine. that's right. Okay, so this is good. So listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast coming to you by the sea. Literally, we're sitting there watching the waves breaking in front of us as well. So yeah, so we've it's, it's made us more zen. It's made us more chilled after that game last night and trying to get to and from the Brighton Stadium, which is just it's not great in the best of times. And it's even worse when there's no trains running. But listen, we're cool. We put that behind us. We're going to Sheffield on Saturday. Looking forward to a good night out in Sheffield with our chums, our Sheffield chums. Looking forward to that. But like I said to you, you know, we've got injuries from the floor. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Come on, Brentford. Bees by the seas. Indeed. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.